0: In this episode, I'm sharing with you my pregnancy journey so far. I'm currently 24 weeks pregnant, which is six months. And in all of the journeys I've ever taken, this has been one of the most expansive and multi-dimensional ones that has brought forth so many initiations and lessons. And I have a feeling that this will be part one of multiple series because there are just so many layers to capture that I know are meant to be. Expressed through me. I will share with you some of the things that have brought me here, some of the rememberings and activations and a lot of surrendering that carrying this healthy pregnancy and being so close to childbirth has brought into my life experience. Before we begin and move into the uninterrupted episode, I want to thank the sponsor of the show, Laird Superfood. I have been on a mission to replace my oat milk obsession with a cleaner alternative. And while I love a homemade nut milk, sometimes it's just too much work. That's why I was so excited when I discovered Laird Superfood Creamer. I've been adding a tablespoon of their vanilla superfood creamer to my matcha, then blending it with a handheld frother, and the result is so creamy and delicious, no milk required. It tastes great with coffee too. The creamer has no sugary syrups, weird oils, or artificial flavors. It's super convenient on the go and has a longer shelf life than a refrigerated creamer or nut milk. The vanilla flavor comes from organic vanilla powder and it is lightly sweetened with coconut sugar. If you prefer an unsweetened version, they have that too. Laird Superfood has a variety of creamer flavors and all of them are gluten-free, non-GMO verified, keto-friendly, dairy-free, soy-free, and all the good things. Are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to layeredsuperfood.com/ksenia. slash Xenia, that is spelled L-A-I-R-D-S-U-P-E-R-F-O-O-D dot com slash K-S-E-N-I-A, and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use my promo code Xenia, K-S-E-N-I-A in all lowercase, at checkout to save 15% off your purchase today. Fun fact about me, I never grew up wanting kids. I knew that it would be something that would be one day, but I never really had that like palpable physical desire to be around children or to have a child. I know some people have that from the very beginning of their lives. I know my sister loved kids and wanted to have them since she was a little girl. I never had that. And that desire to bring a child into the world didn't really awaken until I was about 32. And there were a few points of activation that just completely brought it into full awareness, into full embodiment of a yes to bringing this child into the world. One of them was that I was in a plant ceremony, and one of my guides that has been with me for a long time came through very clearly. It was my grandfather. And he told me that Eric and I are meant to bring a child together. And I remember Eric placed his hand on my belly. I kind of guided him. And it was this activation of a womb and this energetic saying yes. And from there, what unfolded was this very physical desire. I don't know if it's something hormonal that kicked in around that age, or maybe it was a combination of that plus feeling a sense of home where we were at the time, at the tiny cabin in the Catskills. But it was this very, very physical desire to have kids. And once I expressed that to Eric, we had a conversation. What became very clear is that for him it was important to get married because we had been engaged for a few years, but it was important for him to kind of solidify our union that way before expanding into bringing more humans into the world. And so it was 2021. Everything was shut down. So many borders were closed. And so having a regular wedding was not an option, but we were not regular wedding kind of people, no matter what. And I feel like the way that our vision for that wedding unfolded and how we decided to do it was a huge seed in everything that's unfolding now with this pregnancy and bringing this child into the world because none of the wedding ceremony was done in a way that anybody in our family lines had done before. It was completely, I don't want to say abandoning, but kind of escaping the paradigm of expectations and expectations both from self but also from family and on what the proper way to do it is, and completely allowing our imaginations and intuition and wild visions run wild to guide us to how we're meant to do it in the most sacred way possible, in the most highest way possible, that would truly honor everything we're meant to weave together in this lifetime, in this union. So, the way we did it is by flying over to Londolozi Game Reserve in South Africa, which is a very sacred land that is all about restoration of the land, protection of the animals, and restoration of the human heart. And it was a truly, truly life-changing experience in so many ways. I've talked about it before, and I even had Vardy, whose family um, has stewarded the reserve for many years. I've had him as a guest on the podcast, so I'll link to that in the show notes if you're curious to tune into more about it. But for me, the way that I'm weaving this journey in this moment and the way that I'm sharing it with you, I think the important piece to call out right right now, before we get into the juice of it, is all of the layers of pregnancy, of intentional conscious pregnancy. It wasn't that, okay, let's have a baby, let's get married, okay, I'm pregnant, let's go but there were so many invitations and initiations and things that we were meant to go through individually and together before the soul was a yes to coming in. And it's not linear. It's not predictable. It's not anything I could have read in a book about like clear out your ancestral line before you bring a child into the world. And this is how you do it. One, two, three, here's the blueprint. It was a very, Individualized study of moment by moment listening. What's present? What's next? What's the challenging thing that I'm meant to step into to create this space of clarity to truly be the highest vessel that I can be? Because ultimately, when I get present to why we decided to bring a child into the world right now, it's not because it's going to be cute and fun. And it's not because there's going to be so many lessons that unfold for us and for me, but because I know deep inside of me, in my cells and beyond my cells and my energetic being and my soul, that we're meant to be stored for this soul. So that is kind of the higher purpose that is driving all of this. And I think as a result of having that context, the way that it's all unfolding is a lot more expansive than any linear preconceptions or societal norms around pregnancy and childbirth. So after we got back from Londolozi, I got pregnant pretty quickly. It was within three months that our friend was visiting us at the cabin and we took him to the Buckbrook Alpaca farm, which is one of the favorite places we used to visit all the time, and a place where we would take everybody who would come to visit us to play with alpacas. And I remember on the way there, I was sitting in the back of the car and I was kind of nauseous. And it's not normal for me to be nauseous in the car. And I didn't know what the symptoms of pregnancy were at the time. But then looking back, I started noticing the patterns. So I started feeling nauseous way before I knew I was pregnant, about a week before. And at that farm, that one day was the most magical alpaca experience we'd ever had. We'd been there dozens and dozens of times. We'd had so many beautiful interactions with so many alpacas. And there's one particular group of alpacas that we got close with. But even with them, we never really had that close of an encounter as that time. So what happened is that we entered in our friend Natasha, who works there. She led us into the pen where they were hanging out. And it was three female alpacas, uh, purple rain, Starfire, I think. And Didi, they all surrounded me and just stood there. And Didi, she kept placing her head on my shoulder and kind of like rubbing her nose against mine. She was like right in my grill and being so gentle and so sweet. And I didn't know that at a time, but all of them were pregnant. And so was I. And we know that animals on a very hormonal chemical level can pick up human pregnancy early on way before we can know with our modern diagnostics. It's the same with elephants. There's stories of elephants coming up to a group of people and placing their trunks on the belly of a woman who's pregnant way before she knows she's pregnant so for me it was one of those magical moments of entering this stage of pregnancy and this stage of motherhood and being blessed up by one of the sweetest kindest most loving animal uh groups families that I have ever encountered a few days after that i did a test found out i was pregnant and i was just stoked it was so fun i started documenting everything right away I picked up books and started making all the recipes. There was one particular book that I was recommended by Clara of Both Sides Buttered called Real Food for Pregnancy that has these beautiful ancestral recipes for liver pate and bone broths. And I was so committed to doing it all. I found it to be so natural and full of ease and so fun to be taking care of my body and this other human body that's growing in me. And I really wanted to tell my family in person. So all of my family were in Moscow at the time. And after doing a little bit of research on flying in early pregnancy, it felt like the right thing to do. So without telling my family I was pregnant, I flew over there to spend a beautiful week with my family at our country house, foraging mushrooms and picking things in the garden and then i announced to the whole family i actually have a video of it it took a little longer for them to understand what the cards that i made meant because it said that there's a bun in the oven coming when whatever the date was and because it's such an english or american should i say expression that they didn't know it took them a second to get there so it was like it was a really funny situation but once they all found out It was this beautiful moment of celebration and connection, and my grandmother stood up from her chair and started dancing, and it was very sweet. And the fact that I got to be on my ancestral homeland, which I still feel very connected to in those early stages of pregnancy and bring my baby in my womb to those places felt very sacred. And on that trip, I also got to visit the countryside land where i would spend a lot of time as a child it particularly makes me think about foraging mushrooms with my grandfather singing to the land and just really communing with nature anytime i am in any kind of shamanic circle and there's a prompt to go to a place where you feel safe and you feel connected that is the place i go to and it was a very interesting experience because what i found is sometimes we will have this memory of a place from our past that holds a very special kind of frequency and emotional resonance. And there might be a sense of sadness around not having access to it. But the truth is that oftentimes in the physical realm of the earthly plane, that place might not even exist. It might not even hold the same frequency. When we visited the land that I was thinking about so much and dreamed about coming back to for decades now, what I found is that the fields that used to be beautiful, fields that lead to the forest, they had become forests. They had become completely wild. It was almost impossible to walk through them. They got so untamed, and we barely even... Could make it to the forest because to the forest line because it was just out of control. There were, you know, grass that was taller than me, and that whole experience really, really unlocked something in me. And knowing that all the places that have ever played a significant role in my life, for example, there's a, an area of Moscow where I grew up for the first. Um, maybe like 5 to 10 years old when we came back from Australia where I was raised. That place I think about often and I wonder what it looks like now and I wish to revisit it. But then I'm reminded that, you know what, those memories that I'm thinking about and the frequency that they hold, I can unlock them right here, right now, in this reality, in this timeline. I don't need to physically go on a plane, go on a train, to activate that it's all within me. And it's actually even more potent here now through the portal of my heart than it could have possibly been through bringing my whole physical body there. And I'm curious, you know, when I say that, what comes up for you? Because maybe for you, it's actually the opposite. There's something about bringing your body to a certain land that activates something. And I have those experiences too, But with those particular childhood memories, I'm finding that it's the heart portal that matters more than anything else. So anyway, I spent that beautiful time with my family, connecting with the land, connecting with ancestral foods, connecting with the ancestral forests. And then by the time I got back, I think I I was around seven weeks pregnant, and we because we were so remote in the mountains of the Catskills, we lived in a town of 108 people, there weren't really many choices for how to bring the child into the world in terms of hospital or midwife home birth. So I just asked my friend Don, who might be listening to this, shout out Don for a recommendation. And she recommended midwife and we met up with her. And I'd never really known much about the world of childbirth, hospital birth versus home birth. It was never a topic that was brought to my attention. But after having a conversation with that midwife, I didn't need to do much more research. I just know that this felt right. She was the one where, yes. So we had an appointment with her. It went wonderful. And then it was time for my 11-week appointment. Um, And that's when... She did the Doppler on my belly, and we couldn't find the heartbeat. It's not a reason for concern most of the time. uh it really just depends on where the baby's positioned in the belly and I didn't know anything about it. She said it's not a reason for concern, so we kind of just let it go and said, "Okay, we'll just do it next time and In the meantime, we did all the blood tests and within a few days after that, I started bleeding, and I remember messaging the midwife. And her saying, you know, it's totally normal, it happens to many women, just keep an eye on it. And as I kept an eye on it, it kept progressing and progressing and progressing. And of course, you know, that frequency of fear comes in of, whoa, I just reorganized my whole emotional landscape of life, all of my plans, all of my identity around being pregnant and preparing to bring a child into the world. And even though 11 weeks in the grand scheme of things doesn't seem like a lot of time, because of how internal and hormonal and deep that journey of the first trimester is, the first 13 weeks, for me even considering the idea that this might not happen was so scary and so big and so... Foreign and especially because nobody in my family had ever lost a pregnancy. Both my mom and my sister had had children very early in their 20s. Um, Some of it was unplanned, and it was like very natural. So there's no family history in my immediate family of pregnancy loss, and it wasn't in my immediate awareness because, as I've learned with time in our society, it's not really something you talk about. And just like... I hadn't told anybody besides my closest inner circle that I was pregnant. I didn't tell anybody about the loss. So what happened is the bleeding continued and it intensified, became very painful. And then two days later, we went to an emergency room. I just I had no idea what to even look for and, and what to do. So I, I just wanted clarity and I wanted that support. So I went to the emergency room. And immediately they did an ultrasound and said, uh, There's no more baby. It was absolutely devastating to be at 6 a.m. in this cold, fluorescent lit room of a hospital. Everybody felt so cold. And it's like, yes, they were doing things for my body to support it, to move through it. They gave me the antibiotics and whatever else was needed, according to them. But from an emotional standpoint, both me and Eric were just completely stunned and shocked and alone. And I remember coming home, I would just continue crying for days. And sometimes I would feel like a wave of, okay, I'm, starting to feel a little better but then the pain in the body would remind me of what just happened or like the books that I had on my shelf about pregnancy would remind me and um or sometimes nothing in the physical realm would remind me of what happened but it was just this overwhelming grief I had no idea how to deal with I remember reading trying to find any help online and there was just nothing I could find that was helpful And from there, you know, it took me months and months to really get back to myself. And I knew that it was a deep invitation to rebirth myself before I birthed a child into the world. And so the next few months were very lonely. And they were also a time of deep, deep, deep reevaluation and rebirth. It's within that time period where I renamed my podcast. I started untangling from the breakfast criminals identity. I released a lot of my offerings and stopped doing things that were busy in the world. And looking back, of course, it's all in divine timing. It all makes sense. There were so many aspects of me that was still fractured and didn't know how to connect to my truth, speak my truth stand my territory, and all these things are necessary for me personally to be uh, in the highest expression of a mother, and the following year and a half or so, however long it took us to conceive again, they really were all these beautiful, deep, challenging spirals of all of the lessons, of all of the activations, of all the rememberings. It took at least a year to even start thinking about actually conceiving again. And in the midst of that year, we traveled to Russia, Eric and I, and we decided to go to a fertility clinic and get tested just to make sure, you know, everything looks good because there was no explanation for the lost pregnancy. All the tests came back good. There was nothing strange at all in any way that they can find. So I just wanted to go and check it out and see, you know, is this something we need more support on? And so what we found out by going to the fertility clinic and doing all these tests is that my levels of progesterone were pretty low. So I I started supplementing with progesterone around my cycle. And Eric also needed some support with fertility, so he started taking supplements. What the doctors left us with was that they recommended IVF. And for me, it was very crushing to hear. It didn't make any sense. I'm so intentional and holistic and intuitive with so many, with every area of my life, really. And to be told that I can't naturally do something that is so natural, and that I will need to go and utilize like all this fancy equipment and support. It just didn't jive with me, and it felt really discouraging. So instead of taking it as the the only way forward and the only truth, I decided, okay, we're going to do what we can. I'm going to start taking progesterone. Eric is going to do his supplements, and then. In the summer, so a year after that first pregnancy, we sold the cabin and we moved to Austin. And one of the clarities that arose within me during that time is that the child was not meant to be born where we were in New York. That child needed community. That child needed a web of support, a village. And I didn't quite have that in New York because of how remote we were. So I knew that moving to Austin was the right next move in so many ways. I didn't know exactly why, but everything that's been unfolding since then has just made it so clear from the day that we moved here for business, for our relationship, for um absolutely every area of our lives. For our home area, you know, building our home as our sanctuary, it was so important to Just make that move and listen and pause and continue moving forward with um, a more expansive worldview, starting with our home because we were living in such a tiny home, a tiny cabin, and there was something about having a larger physical home space that felt important for this next chapter. We moved to Austin at the end of June 2022. And for a month, we rented a temporary space as we tuned into all the different possibilities of where we could live next. And so we didn't move into our new place until beginning of August. And then it took us some time to really get settled. And I knew that during the move, just the space that I was holding for all the physical things to be intact and all the energetic releasing that it took of the lands that held us so much during the three years that we lived there. All of that needed to come first, and it was not the right time yet, even though I was starting to feel ready to conceive and be pregnant. So in the back of my mind, I knew that as soon as we're settled in our new home, that would be the time, and so it happened. I remember at the end of September was when we were guided to our Miracle dog, Shaq, our Rhodesian Ridgeback, who's about to turn one year old. And we brought her home on September 25th. And the next day, I found out I was pregnant. And the timing of it was so interesting. I felt it was so special because I was being initiated into parenthood with Shaq, which has been such a blessing in learning... Uh, how to take care of a live being together with Eric and how to communicate what we need support on, how to communicate what she needs and like really be present for our relationship, for our lives. And then this other being that's joined our family constellation. And so I felt it was so cool that I get to expand into motherhood through a dog while growing a human child within me. And then two days later after that, I started bleeding and found out that that pregnancy was not meant to hold. And it's such an interesting place to be, like those riding those waves of feeling like I'm a yes and feeling like everything's ready and prepared and feeling so healthy and radiant and then hearing the no and wondering, you know, what went wrong? Why not now? Continuing to surrender and trust the divine timing has been a huge continuous invitation within this pregnancy journey. And that's when I decided that I wanted more support. I reached out to my friend Rebecca and asked her uh, who her support had been in her pregnancy journey because she was pregnant at the time after very, very intentional and conscious journey there. And so she recommended a fertility acupuncturist that I'd started seeing around the same time I got present to a root canal that I had had done a long time ago that needed to be taken out for me to be in my optimal health. I just intuitively felt like it didn't belong there and it was time to clear it out. And there's a lot of interesting studies I've come across since then that correlate all kind of health issues that could arise as a result of having a root canal. I'm not going to go down that whole rabbit hole, but discovering biological dentistry, also known as holistic dentistry, that truly sees the health of your teeth as it relates to the whole health of your body, instead of just something you can fill and forget about, um, has been really profound and the journey of addressing this root canal, which I had had issues before, um, issues with before in my life, and all of the dentists I'd ever seen, and all the endodontists, I said, it's totally fine, no issue. But intuitively, I just kept feeling something's off, something's off. And so I ended up clearing all that out, getting an implant. It was a whole journey of taking out the current crown, clearing out the root canal taking about three months to heal, installing the implant, and then taking another three months, putting the crown on. And the whole process felt like a ceremony. I remember when they kind of took it all apart and cleared it out, it felt so liberating and it felt so cleansing. I just knew I was doing the right thing for my body and for the health of my child. And it feels so good to be complete with that process right now. Anyway, that's a segue, but I also know that that was an important piece of me being in an optimal state for a healthy pregnancy. So some of the things that I've learned from both my fertility acupuncturist, as well as um, some of the books I've been reading, is the importance of keeping my feet warm. When you are either trying to conceive or you're already pregnant, there's a lot of meridians and energy channels at the bottoms of our feet that connect to the womb. And it's important to keep the womb warm to keep it this warm and welcoming space for human life. So making sure that I'm wearing warm socks if I'm walking on cold floors uh, was very important. Making sure I eat breakfast. I had been skipping breakfast for years, just drinking coffee and kind of going for a few hours and then eating a brunch, lunch type of meal avocado toast with egg. Like I would eat really well, but those first two hours would go unnourished. And I intentionally reincorporated breakfast in my life. So I started eating oats again and chia pudding. Right now my go-to is quarter cup of chia seeds soaked overnight in a cup of full fat canned coconut milk mixed up really well with a fork so that it all incorporates in the mix as well. I use a pretty glass jar, put in the fridge, and in the morning, I will serve part of that that will last me a few days. I will serve that with some berries, fruits, um, granola, almond butter, bee pollen, whatever I have on hand and whatever my body's craving at the time. So another thing I started doing habitually on this journey was eating fermented foods medicinally. I've always been into kimchi and sauerkraut. But I have just gotten more and more present to the importance of gut health and probiotics. So I've been making sure that almost with each meal, I eat like a tablespoon or at least a teaspoon of sauerkraut or something else that's fermented. Some of the books that I've really, really loved on this journey, I've been Not reading too much and not exposing myself too much intentionally to other people's birth stories and like books and childbirth education. I feel like for me, the invitation is more about getting quiet and listening to what feels right in my body because there's so many ways to do this out there. And the only right way ultimately is the way that feels right for me. So truly pausing and listening is really helpful, but also these books. These books were amazing. So the one I already mentioned, The Real Food for Pregnancy, the other one is Awakening Fertility. So it's a trio of books by the same author. Awakening Fertility, it is first 40 days, and it's nine golden months. There's also the book called Spirit Babies that... I got really into right before I conceived this pregnancy and I had so many magical experiences. It's about this guy who unexpectedly became communicator for the child souls on the other side, helping people move through infertility and all kinds of conception issues by communicating with those children and seeing what they needed us as parents, to clear out before they're ready to come in. I was diving deep into being this vessel for this baby in so many ways, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual. And I remember every cycle that I would hope I was pregnant and I wasn't, it was so crashing, it was so devastating, and it was so discouraging. But at the same time, my acupuncturist did recommend that it takes, I think she said, three to six months from starting consistent treatment to even intentionally start trying because I think it takes about three month cycle for eggs to renew, if I'm remembering this correctly, maybe even six. So truly giving myself the time and space for everything to reset so I can start from this new place, from this new nourished and supported place. But even though I knew that, I just was ready. Six months seemed like an enormous amount of time after having had tried for over a year at that point. So it was around that time that I went to my friend's blessing way ceremony and I had a feeling that I was pregnant at the time and it was too early to tell, but I remember sitting in the beautiful circle with medicine women and there was a reflection of a rainbow that just landed on my womb and I was wearing this white dress and everybody else was wearing white and it was this beautiful confirmation from the other side. And it's in that moment that I just found more trust than ever in this journey that this baby was coming. So I was indeed pregnant that time, as I found out later. And an important exercise for me on that journey was I noticed myself obsessing over our pregnancy tests. And there was something about the binary, that's the word about the binary nature of them, the yes or no, that felt very not supportive. So ultimately, I decided to stop obsessing over taking tests over and over and over again and just tune into my body. And then if I hear a yes on taking a test, I will. So for that pregnancy, I knew I was pregnant in every way. I never took a test. And then we flew to Phoenix and to Tucson to go to the Gem and Mineral Show. And the following day... I started to bleed and it started in the shape of a heart. And so even though there was such sadness once again and disappointment, it came with a message. It came with a message of love and trust. So even though I wasn't physically pregnant for the rest of the trip for the Gem and Mineral show, I felt the spirit of that baby with us the whole time. And all the magical experiences we had had in Arizona, they were guided by the baby. From discovering the secret 10,000 square foot Lemurian crystal quartz warehouse and spending days and days unwrapping crystals there, to all of the other beautiful conversations and experiences we had during that trip, it was all because of that baby. So after we came back home from the Crystal show, which I shared about more in the, I think it was the previous episode. Anyway, I'll link to all the related episodes in the show notes. We tried again, and that was the time where the pregnancy kept. I know that one of the reasons why that time this time the baby decided to stay is because around the time of conception and implantation is when my dear sister and teacher Reggie Riverbear was leading a son Medicine apprenticeship. And I heard a very, very clear yes in joining. And for a whole week, that week of Valentine's Day, I spent in San, in expressing my spirit through breath, through voice. Through the medicinal frequency that is mantra and medicine song. Every time I would wake up, I would sing. When I would take a shower, I would sing. Going to bed, I would sing. And there was something about those sounds and expressing myself that way that felt like a deep invitation for the baby to feel safe to stay. And I know from the book Spirit Babies that that's one of the ways to connect to spirit babies is through sound, and particularly through certain mantras. And so I just have this knowing within me that that really, really helped solidify it. Nevertheless, there still wasn't any guarantees or certainty. It's such a day-by-day process of just trusting and surrendering and not being attached to how it goes. And when the baby decides to come in, And I remember when I was about seven weeks pregnant, I had already shared about it on both social media and with families. It was the time where if previously I hadn't shared anything about any of my pregnancy journey, it felt so raw and vulnerable and sacred. This time felt like a huge yes to just openly sharing and inviting anybody who's meant to be on that journey with me to join on the ride. I'd known how alone it felt to move through the loss and I felt like it would dishonor my journey to not celebrate, to not invite others to celebrate with me, both celebrate that is the pregnancy that is a yes right now, but also... beautiful capacity that going through the grief that I'd gone to had developed in me. I feel like when we expand our capacity to hold big amounts of grief, that also expands our capacity for joy and celebration. So it felt like an assignment from spirit to share it and be public about it. So I shared it early on. I think it was the next day after I found out at about four and a half weeks. So by the time I was seven weeks I remember I was standing in my kitchen and every day I would still wake up and I wouldn't know if this pregnancy was meant to hold and it was too early to take any tests to know and this African lullaby song just came up on my Spotify in my kitchen and with that song I received the message that yes this spirit is going to come through into a human child that you're going to hold And I felt like in that moment, I just broke down and all of the walls that I still had to being a full yes to this baby, they came down and I was fully one with creation that was moving through me. And it's after that reassurance that I was guided to the midwife, which has since switched, but that's a story for another day, maybe for part two. And there was just a lot more trust. It's like when I say there was more trust, it feels like every time I unlock a new level of trust, there's like another level available and another level available. This one was the biggest, deepest trust I'd ever experienced. That said, even with all of the confirmations and the divine acknowledgements and nudges, still... Leading up to that 11, 12-week appointment, because my previous loss was one day before I reached 12 weeks, there was, what I discovered is that there still was this pain stored in my body that I wasn't present to. That was just completely frozen in fear, frozen in trusting my body, frozen in trusting the baby, frozen in trusting life. And luckily I had found a really beautiful body worker who helped me acknowledge that and create space for it to be felt and move through it. Then a few days later we had our midwife appointment and a similar thing happened. We put on the Doppler to hear the baby's heartbeat and we couldn't find the heartbeat. And because I'd been there before and because of how it turned out before, there was an immense amount of fear. So what we ended up doing, instead of waiting for the blood results to come back, we just went to an ultrasound place right away. I just needed that confirmation so badly. I just wanted that clarity. So we went to do an ultrasound. The moment I sat down and she put the ultrasound on my belly, she's like, oh, there's your baby. This is the size. And she's writing down all these measurements. And I'm still like, hold on. It took me a few moments to like really, because I was so frozen in fear, it took me a few moments to really drop in and process the yes that it was and the confirmation that it was and yes that everything is fine. And it was such a gift. I remember I took us out to picnic. We got these delicious chicken katsu sandwiches. And it was a huge turning point. And I found out in that ultrasound also that the baby was about a week older than I thought. So he was 12 weeks and three days at the time. I didn't know the sex yet. But that was a huge turning point. By that time, I was already doing yoga every week. A lot of things were coming up around body image, actually. And on the one hand, there's this deep presence with a miracle that is a human baby growing in my body. I mean, look at this. If you're watching the video, you just saw me show my belly. I mean, there's a human that you can actually feel from the outside now growing within my body. It's such a trippy experience. And on the one hand, there's this presence to the huge miracle that this is. And on the other hand, it was so interesting to observe how all of these thoughts around body image and weight gain all of these old thoughts from my previous version of self, which I thought I'd moved through already, they started coming up. You know, one of the storylines that was coming up is, well, before you can clearly tell that I'm pregnant, I've clearly, you know, I've kind of just gained weight in my midsection and my hips. So like, there are people just going to look at me and think I'm fat. And it's so far away from the truth of who I am and the truth of the miracle that this whole experience is. But I know that all of that needed to come to the surface to be dissolved because it's just not something that I'm meant to pass on to the next generations of humans in this family line. So hmm, another thing that came up that was interesting is I was looking for a sense of validation of my pregnancy from the outside. Like when I was seven or eight weeks pregnant and I would go to a prenatal yoga class and other women were a lot more far along, I would feel like nobody was taking me seriously. And maybe some of it comes from some of the conversations I've had with my family and kind of like them holding off the full celebration because they know where my first pregnancy went and like kind of holding off being happy just in case something happens. But this lesson has been coming up again and again. The celebration is now. The yes is now. The yes is now. The celebration is now. There's nothing to wait for. There's no guarantees. There's no confirmations needed. Your confirmation is the yes right now. So be in joy, be in full presence with it. There's nothing to wait for. It was the trip before. Tucson, actually. My December trip to Turkey was definitely an assignment that was part of this pregnancy journey. And I knew that I was meant to bring my family together. And there were some ancestral energetics that were meant to come together before I bring this child into the world. And I was able to reunite my sister with her son, who she hadn't seen for a couple of years. And it was one of the most miraculous things. And I think for me, holding that vision, making it possible in the earthly realm, and me essentially being the vessel for that miracle to happen for my whole family, gave me this energetic template for what holding a miracle in the body feels like of uniting a mother with a child. I'm just getting into presence with it now. And it's interesting that it's coming through now because Mark, my nephew, who I'm talking about, he's in the next room. He's visiting me right now. So by the time I did the ultrasound, our families already knew and I'd been sharing on stories about the pregnancy, but I hadn't done a post, like a post post on my feed and uh, gotten more public about the pregnancy. When I was 11 weeks pregnant, I... Was called to go deeper and share a post about my journey with pregnancy and how I was moving through it. And this is what I shared 75 days pregnant. It's my second time being 11 weeks pregnant. Losing my first pregnancy shut me off from trusting my body, trusting divine timing, and trusting life for a while. It was a depth of grief and a feeling of being lost I hadn't known before. It was also very isolating. I'd only told a few people about the pregnancy and the loss because you're not supposed to share until you're in the clear, typically past 13 weeks. And even for those who wanted to be there for me, I wasn't sure how to receive. I was paralyzed by sadness. I remember Googling how to process miscarriage and simply not finding anything helpful at all. I also remember a particular wordless hug from a friend that made the biggest difference. After weeks of deep grief and uncontrollable crying, I was ready. That's when plant allies guided me back into oneness. To anyone feeling lonely in your grief, I feel you. You got this. Even if it doesn't feel like it. It took a whole year for me to even consider opening myself up to the possibility of motherhood again. A year of traveling back through the birth portal and rediscovering myself, my voice, my purpose, and my trust this time feels different. Instead of waiting until it's safe and feeling a massive sense of celebration, in this moment it's a yes and that's what matters. I don't care about what society deems acceptable around when it's okay to share. Some of you saw me share about being pregnant on stories weeks ago. I shared the day after I got the confirmation. It was a clear call from spirit. You're meant to share this journey. There's meaning in it beyond what you'll ever know. Now it feels right to share it here with anyone it's meant to land with. This mirror altar is my offering to the creation brewing within me. Celebration of the divine yes, the soul stepped into when it chose to accept our invitation and receive a human body. Every moment, millions of cells are swirling within my womb, following the divine design to build a human being that's currently the size of a walnut. I'm in awe trust, and deep gratitude for the opportunity for Eric and I to be stewards for this very special soul that chose us. At the moment, that soul is in a body the size of a cantaloupe. We officially started measuring him in pounds instead of ounces, and there are so many beautiful lessons that are moving through. Some of them have dropped in while we were in our baby moon in Kauai. Some of them are coming in as we actually prepare for the birth in the earthly plane and make all the choices that there are to make within that conversation. I'm called to leave this first part at that on this note of celebration of trusting the energetic templates and how everything is connected and related and how important it is to answer the call and say yes when we're guided somewhere or to a person or to a conversation because it all weaves a tapestry of remembering beyond our imagination. So thank you for tuning in for this part one of my pregnancy journey. I'm so excited to share more with you until next time.